Hey, it's Susie, and we have another mini episode for you. This time, I'm going to bring you a little fanfic. Hope you enjoy it. So, um, <clears throat> tell me about yourself. What would you like to know? Um... This fanfic is brought to you by Kinky Claws, and it is titled Aftermath, If Nothing Changes. Chapter 1 Mitchell listened carefully at the door of the isolation room. The growls had quietened. He glanced over at Nina, who was sitting upright with her back against the wall, her eyes drooping from lack of sleep. She seemed to sense someone looking at her and glanced up at him. There were questions burning in her eyes, but the shock of what she had seen was holding her tongue for the moment. Mitchell nodded and gave a small, reassuring smile, which the pretty blonde nurse did not return. He could understand that and felt a great deal of sympathy. Risking a peep through the spy hole of the door, he could see that the wolf laid on its belly beside his kill. To be truthful, there wasn't too much left of Herrick. Having had his chest emptied onto the floor by George's fangs and his head forcibly removed by by those lethal claws, he had turned to the dusty mist that accompanied the final death of all vampires. The confusion and associated sneezing fits that elicited from the wolf would have been quite amusing in any other circumstances, but for now, the wolf, George, was quiet. Though his golden eyes were opened and fixed on the door, the great head raised slightly, more as it realized he was there, watching, and blinked slowly. He was relaxing now, perhaps winding down for the big change back. Mitchell wondered how much George really remembered of these times. Did the young Lyco keep the memories buried, or were the things done in the wolf's form honestly only known to the wolf side of him? As the vampire watched for longer than he had intended, the wolf's ear lowered and his eyes closed. He was calm now. In that mood, Mitchell was surprised by how, well, how oddly beautiful the wolf could be. The fur had subtle shades ranging from ginger to pure black around the eyes and muzzle. Annie reappeared suddenly in the hallway in front of the dungeon room. Mitchell turned and smiled at her. Bless her heart. She'd gone all the way home to collect a fresh set of clothes for George. Nina, not expecting a sight on top of all the impossible things she'd already seen tonight, gasped loudly in spite of herself. Her wide blue eyes were glued to the spot where the ghost girl had materialized, with a full set of clothes clutched to her chest. Mitchell moved away from the door and touched Nina's shoulder. As they had explained, none of them were as they seemed. To her credit, Nina had seemed to cope well with the news that only that not only was she having a relationship with a werewolf, Mitchell noticed that in the breakup letter George had left in her locker was forgotten for the time being, but that her boyfriend, best friend, was a century-old vampire and a ghost with poltergeist tendencies. Annie had done this on her own. Just after Mitchell had commented that he hadn't been able to see but it was fair bet that the jeans he had been wearing to face Herrick were destroyed, and he wasn't going to let George sully himself by wearing Herrick's leftover clothing. 
He was pleased that Annie was getting used to the newfound powers, including transporting items with her as she, well, transported, that she had somehow acquired since ignoring the door of her own passing only two nights ago. Inside the room, a soft growl in response to hearing Nina announce that the wolf was very much still awake. Mitchell braced himself against the door as he heard the scrape of claws on the concrete floor. Nina flinched at the sound and drove herself to her feet despite her obvious physical and emotional exhaustion. Her eyes fixed on the door as she could see through it, then flicked to Mitchell. He had been looking at her and frowned, only for a second, before returning his attention to the door and the lithroscopic George lurking beyond. Nina moved closer. A burning curiosity overwhelmed any caution. She was three feet from the door when it suddenly bumped outwards. Annie dropped the clothes she held to the floor and threw herself against it as Mitchell, palms out, pushed with all his strength. The door pushed outward again, despite the two of them blocking it. Even down here, Mitchell was aware that the sun was on the rise. But if it were, then the wolf shouldn't be this active now. In fact... The change back to the George they knew should be well underway, surely. A soft scrape came back at the door, vibrating it beneath them. Abruptly, there was a low howl, mournful and strangely musical. The pressure on the door ceased, and the howl faded to a series of deep, pained growls and roars. Nina looked at Annie before pushing a hand against Mitchell's shoulder and wrenching the door open, even as Mitchell shouted a warning against it. Was this woman trying to get herself killed? Inside, the wolf was laid on his side, his chest rising and falling rapidly as it contorted itself. Nina stopped in the doorway watching. Annie and Mitchell flanked her, prepared for any attack which, as soon as they saw the state of the wolf, they knew would never be coming. Already Mitchell was aware of the shifting of the internal organs, their resizing and rearranging. He could hear the rapid faltering heartbeat of the metamorphosing wolf, even over that of the frightened but incredibly brave Nina. He actively ignored the scent of the vampire blood spilt on the other side of the chamber, despite his hunger. Abruptly, George's back arched as he rose on all fours, Savage snarls and growls rising slightly in the pitch of it as the fur, coarse and dark in most places, receded and lightened. The claws twisted, withdrawing into George's tortured body and rippling the skin. As the fur drew back to reveal pale flesh beneath it, all three of them could clearly see the spinal column contorting. The short tail forcing inwards and causing the half-man, half-wolf laid there on the ground to scream in agony. The pitch was more like their George now, higher and nearer to the human than the animal vocalizations as the muzzle retreated. Mitchell, in particular, knew the sounds would have carried in the lower parts of the hospital, especially with the door open, but he couldn't tear his gaze from the sight. This was Mitchell's very first time of seeing the reversion of George's smaller human form and his heart went out to the poor cursed man who appeared before them. It was a first for Annie and Nina also. Both had tears rolling down their cheeks. Nina crouched as close to eye level with George as she could. His eyes were open, golden, 
and agonized, but a soft mule escaped him as he saw her. It was as if George's body sagged in on itself with the greater muscular weight folded down to human size, and the final few bones slid into their rightful positions with sicking, crackling noises. The deep golden eyes shifted to a light yellow and cycled slowly through the rainbow down to George's usually light gray-blue irises. As exhausted, his eyelids flickered once or twice, then closed. The crackling of muscle, bone, and cartilage realignment continued for a few moments longer, but George had given in utterly to fatigue. Mitchell concentrated hard and could now hear the slow, steady, sleeping rhythm of his best friend's heart and knew the transformation was at the end for another month. But the consequences? How could George live with himself after this? A door banged at the end of the corridor, and Annie and Mitchell looked at each other. They couldn't let George be discovered, but he was in no fit state to be moved yet. Nina, heedless of the possible discovery, had moved closer to her sleeping boyfriend, sitting with legs curled to one side, looking over his naked cur form curled up, almost in the fetal position, on the freezing ground. Annie crouched and urgently placed the clothes on the floor beside her, and pushing the door closed on the two lovers as Mitchell strode off to the intercept the visitor, who he'd already identified as one of Herrick's bodyguards, a burly vampire called Patrick. Patrick was big, undoubtedly a vicious beep, that was probably one of the reasons Herrick kept him around. Annie slid herself behind some of the clutter in the room, watching and preparing to step in in case Mitchell needed her. Her eyes glittered violet in the dim light as she gathered her powers in readiness. Where's Herrick? Patrick demanded, his broad West Riding's accent adding to the illusion that he was as unintelligent as he seemed. This Mitchell knew was not the case. Drawing himself up to full height, Mitchell was still a head shorter, but the weight of his swath cut through recent history lent him an advantage against the bigger man. Mitchell kept his voice low and menacing, his gentle Irish accent growing stronger as he spoke. Herrick's dead. I killed him. So this ends now. I'm in charge now, so tell the others. If they come near the hospitals, me, my friend, and our home again, they will end up the same way as him. Got it? There was no trace of humor in Mitchell's face, only a dark warning. The sense of evil in that expression took Annie aback, though she was impressed at the larger as the larger vampire shrank back and acquiesced without a murmur. However, Patrick still peered over Mitchell's shoulder at the closed dungeon door. In the same tone, he added, Annie, will you bring Hedrick's clothes, please? I don't think he believes me. Her presence subtly revealed. Annie stepped out into the open and walked back to the sealed room. Drifting through the door and passing by the now-kneeling Nina and the sleeping George, she plucked Herrick's jacket from the exposed bolt on the wall where the vampire had left it, deciding already to leave behind the shredded suit. 
She stared at Nina, who held a broken gold chain in her hand as she hesitated over touching the naked shoulder before her. He's safe now, Nina. We all are, Annie said softly. Her placent words no bridge for the gulf which seemed to have already formed between the two. They all might have time to properly discuss this later, but right now? Willing herself easily to Mitchell's side, Annie appeared and dropped the black, now dusty jacket to the floor between Mitchell and Pratchett. There, take it, Annie said coldly, holding her chin up defiantly. Pratchett's nostrils flared and he stooped. Eyes fixed on the odd couple before him as he picked up the clothes and footwear. The glower he gave was obviously in meaning, but Mitchell was sure that nothing would happen just yet. The vampire rank would need to be reshuffled and rearranged, and such things took time. And Mitchell had made a challenge for leadership, and won, so the Bristol courtier had to obey his decree. We'll see you later. Okay. I'll see you later, guys. Being Human Cast is a non-profit podcast. Being Human is owned by the BBC and Touch Paper. No copyright infringement is intended. Music used is from Podsafe Audio. You can contact us at feedback at beinghumancast.com or via our website, www.beinghumancast.com. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll be here. We'll see you later.